So now, Herod is back in the picture, and he hears about Jesus, and he was perplexed. He was so confused because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead. So I, I'm going to guess that Herod was actually kind of scared. And I think it does mention somewhere um, that Herod was a little scared when he thought that John the Baptist came back from the dead because he thought John the Baptist was going to like haunt him or something. <laughs> and so he was a little scared. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Hello, everybody. This is Jen with the P40 Ministries Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this morning. And you know what? I have not been drinking coffee recently. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy for me. Normally, I'm always drinking coffee, but uh, I have not been drinking it very much recently because I've been getting bad headaches again. And so I'm trying to uh, figure out what's going on with that. And one of the things I thought to do was to cut coffee out for a little while and see if that helps. Whether it's helping, I can't decide yet. (laughs) I'll let you guys know soon. So Luke chapter 9 is what we're going to be talking about today. Not the entire thing, but I think Luke chapter 9 is absolutely hilarious, personally. It is one of the funniest chapters of the Bible to me because it's talking about, basically the entire thing is talking about the stupidity of the disciples. It's quite funny. Like Luke truly likes focused in on how dumb the disciples are in this chapter. Not, not in every little bit of it, but a large part of it. Um, You know, Jesus is correcting his disciples. You know, they're getting into fights and arguments. At one point, one of the disciples is like, Jesus, call down flames of fire on that uh, community over there. And Jesus yells at that particular disciple. And so, yeah, this is the disciples are dumb chapter. That is what Luke chapter nine is all about. And it's funny. Oh my goodness, it's funny. But let's see what uh, Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 10 have to say today. And I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as I always do. Please feel free to read out of the version you like. And also grab your cup of coffee, even though I don't have mine here. Um, I'll live vicariously through you. So you drink your coffee. I'll live vicariously. And I'll also read this today. Luke 9 verses 1 through 10. He called the twelve together and gave them the power and the authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach God's kingdom and to heal the sick. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staffs, no wallet, nor bread, nor money. Don't have two coats each. Into whatever house you enter, stay there and depart from there. 
As many as don't receive you, when you depart from that city, shake off even the dust from your feet for a testimony against them. They departed and went throughout all the villages, preaching the good news and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was very perplexed, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, I beheaded John, but who is this about whom I hear so many things? He sought to see him. The apostles, when they had returned, told him what things they had done. So I'm actually going to stop reading there. Even though that's verse 10, I'm not going to finish the entire verse because I'll finish the entire verse on Thursday when I talk about this again. But uh, it makes more sense for me to stop there. So anyway, verse 1 Jesus calls his 12 disciples together and gives them power and authority. There's that theme again. We see authority all throughout the book of Luke. And that was something I was really curious about. I was like, what is Luke's theme about Jesus? Because so far, the other two uh, gospels about Jesus had a theme, but Luke didn't seem to when I first started reading it. But the theme, from my opinion, as of this point, is definitely authority. Jesus has all the authority, and he's even able to give other people authority, which is kind of cool. I mean, that, I guess that makes sense, but yeah, he's able to give other people authority as well. And so he gives the 12 disciples authority and power over all the demons and to cure diseases. And so that same power that God gives to his 12 disciples at this point he actually gives to us as well. So I kind of wonder why nowadays we're not able to cure as many diseases the way that the uh, disciples were able to do it. And a lot of people believe that it's because healing is a dead gift. God just does not give that gift out to people anymore. But to me, I think that's almost limiting God's power. Why would he give it at one point and not give it to another? And, um, even in the Old Testament, we do see some people did have the gift of healing. Like, for example, Elisha had the gift of healing, though he was a great prophet. He was able to heal. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he had really bad leprosy and he was able to heal that guy. So, I mean, God does give people the gifts of healing. And I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't see why we can't have that gift anymore. And to anybody that um, believes different, differently than me on that particular subject, I'd love to talk to you about it and see what your opinions are on it um, as to why you do think that healing is a dead gift. I really am curious about that. And actually, I grew up in a church that believed that as well. Um, but for some reason throughout the years, I just I never really believed that healing was truly a dead and gone gift. But so here Jesus calls his 12 disciples and gives them authority and power to heal diseases and to cast out demons. So Jesus didn't send them away empty, even though it kind of looks like he did. Because if you look at Luke 9 and the, the verses we just read, it almost sounds like he's just sending them away, to, uh, away totally empty because they're not supposed to have two coats. They're not supposed to take any money or bread, nothing. They're just supposed to go. But Jesus did not send them out empty. He gave them authority and power to do miracles. So we do see that Jesus often has us work through faith. We see that a lot, actually, through his ministry, is he tells people, your faith 
has healed you. Your faith, your faith. Just have faith. We've seen that a lot. Jesus wants people to have faith. And so he sends his disciples out with nothing but authority and their own faith to be able to do these miracles, to be able to know that God was going to provide for them. And this was honestly a test of their faith and almost a way to hone that skill of faith so that um, when Jesus is gone, they're still able to do this stuff. So it's almost like a mini test they have to go through where they're not with Jesus, but they still have to go out and be able to have faith that God was going to take care of them, that they were able to perform miracles through God's power and all that stuff. So that's what Jesus does. You remember, he's equipping his disciples to start the church after Jesus leaves, after he ascends up into heaven. And this was part of equipping them to go out and do all that when Jesus is gone. But the most important thing about all of this is the fact that Jesus is sending them out, not just to heal and perform miracles, but to teach and to preach. And this could be anywhere. They could go into the people's homes. They could go into the uh, tabernacles. They could even do it on the, the streets if they wanted to. But whatever it was, Jesus sent them out to teach and to preach and also to do miracles, not just to test the disciples' faith, but also to show the people like a physical thing that was happening. Th these miracles would help people's faith to grow as well, which I do believe was one of the reasons why Jesus performed miracles in the first place was to show who he was and to show the people like, look, have faith in me, you know, have faith in God. So to me, that kind of seems like the point as to why Jesus sent uh, his disciples out. But he tells them to actually um, stay with one person the entire time, or rather one household the entire time. And I'm actually curious as to why he did that. But if I were to take an educated guess as to why he told the disciples just to stay in one household, I would guess it was because those two disciples were supposed to minister to that household the entire time. So one household would be able to see and gain salvation from the conduct of the disciples. And so that's that's kind of my guess on, on that, particularly as to why they had to stay in one household. But Jesus says that if a household will not receive them, so in other words, if a household does not take them in and refuses, and that entire city actually refuses to have the disciples staying there with them, that the disciples actually need to shake off even the dust from their feet as a testimony against them. So once they left the city, if, if nobody would receive them, they'd have to shake the dust off of their feet. So they'd uh, take their sandals off and, and shake them out, slap them together, shake off all that dust. And that would be a testimony against that city that no one chose to receive them. And God would see that, obviously. So it does say that, yes, they departed and they went out throughout the all the villages, preaching the good news and healing everywhere. So they were able to do it. They had that gift of healing. They were able to do it. And Jesus sent them out so that they could do this. And we do find out that he actually sent out a lot more disciples than just the 12. The 12, he really focused in on as far as he knew that they were going to build the church. He knew that um, he needed more disciples to be almost like this, the rock 
of the church. For example, Peter, his name was, in fact, the rock. And so, yeah, he, he needed 12 disciples that really knew what they were doing, leaders. But he did have more disciples. He had a lot of disciples, actually. And so we do find out that he did send out a lot of disciples. I can't even remember what it was. Was it the book of Mark that actually said that he sent out um, a lot of disciples? But I think it was close to 100 disciples he sent out and also gave them authority to do certain things as well. And so, yeah, he sent out a lot of people. But Luke specifically mentions the 12 that were sent out. And we don't know how long this took. This could have taken months for these disciples to go out and to minister to different areas and to different cities. We don't know how long it took. Um, But moving forward, it says that they, in fact, departed out and went throughout the villages, preaching the good news and healing everywhere. So here enters Herod again, Herod the Tetrarch. And this is the guy that uh, beheaded John the Baptist. And I don't remember if Luke had an account of that. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess they did. It was a very short little thing about John the Baptist being beheaded by Herod. But Jesus actually preached a pretty long sermon about who John the Baptist was. And that's more where Luke went with that story. But um, Mark and Matthew go more into the details surrounding John the Baptist's death. You remember that Herod was a pervert and he really liked his stepdaughter, I think. And so after she did this like exotic dance for him on his birthday, he was like, you can have whatever you want. And so she's like, well, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. So he does it. And of course, the girl was doing it just to um, give in to what her mom wanted. And uh, the mom hated John the Baptist and everything like that. So yeah, John the Baptist was killed by Herod because Herod was a pervert. So now Herod is back in the picture and he hears about Jesus and he was perplexed. He was so confused because all of a sudden he's hearing about another guy that's super famous that maybe is kind of similar, um, you know, has disciples and is doing different things and, and the Pharisees don't like him. And so Herod is perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead. So I, I'm going to guess that Herod was actually kind of scared. And I think it does mention somewhere um, that Herod was a little scared when he thought that John the Baptist came back from the dead because he thought John the Baptist was going to like haunt him or something. <laughs> and so he was a little scared. And so he he heard that John the Baptist was back from the dead. And of course, this is Jesus that Herod was hearing about, but he didn't know. So he really wants to see Jesus. He's curious about Jesus and he wants to see him. And this actually plays a pretty significant role towards the death of Jesus. So it's actually kind of important that Luke threw this in here because Herod was really interested in seeing Jesus. He wanted Jesus to perform miracles for him. So later on down the road, when we hear of Herod again during Jesus's death, this plays a role in what Herod does at that point regarding Jesus and everything like that. So Herod says in verse nine, I beheaded John. So who is this about whom I hear such things? And so he wanted to see Jesus. So now after all of this, and like I said, we don't know how long that the uh, apostles went out, the disciples went out, but they returned and they told Jesus 
all the things that they had done. So they were really excited. They're like, Jesus, we did all these cool things. You know, you gave us the authority to do this and that and everything else. And we were able to do it. So they were excited and they, uh, they talked to Jesus about that. But that's where we're going to end today. So today we talked about, obviously, the um, disciples and them going out and preaching the gospel. And we also talked about Herod the Tetrarch again, or rather Herod the Perv. But guys, you know what? I have a commercial about the Alive Coloring devotionals that I'd love for you guys to tune into. The events surrounding Jesus' passion are the most celebrated moments for his followers. But so many distractions fight for our children's attention. I love the Alive Coloring devotional because it's a great tool for you and your children to gain motivation and build a healthy habit of walking with God. The Alive Coloring devotional, come alive in Christ. I just love that commercial, it's just so cute. But anyway, everybody, if you wanna purchase either of those Alive Coloring devotionals, either the adult one or the children's one, I'm going to drop a link to those in the bio of this podcast episode, but they're also just available on Amazon. So you can go over to Amazon and check them out. Just type in the Alive Coloring devotionals. So friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. Happy listening and God bless. God bless.